0: Pastor Xavier Reese, and heeding the call of God on today's Simple Truths.
1: Everyone who is born again is called to do something in ministry and enabled by the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the edification and efficiency of the body and love. None of us are without gifts. None of us have been called to warm peace. We're all called to something. Was it not John F. Kennedy who said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country? Same thing.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Pastor Xavier has often said that God has called us all to a ministry far beyond that of occupying three feet of a church pew. And so in the continuation of our Simple Truths character study of Peter, we'll see that the God who transformed fishermen into fishers of men also has a ministry in mind for each follower of God serving his purposes. Let's listen.
1: In John one thirty-five through 40 John tells us that Andrew and Peter had come to hear John the Baptist. They were disciples of John. And John pointed them to the Lamb of God. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22, Matthew tells us that as Jesus was walking on the Sea of Galilee, or by it, He called Andrew and Peter to follow Him, and He would make them fishers of men. He did this as they were casting their nets. And it says, And immediately they left their nets and followed Him. It was at Galilee that they left once and for all everything. Truly committed. Luke, in chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, tells us that Jesus got into Peter's boat to speak to the people. Then Jesus told Peter to launch into the deep and to let his net down. Now, uh, Peter was a professional fisherman, so politely he objected, saying, Lord, we've toiled all night. Nevertheless, at your bidding, I'll humor you. I'll drop the net. To Peter's amazement, a great catch was the result. He called James and John, his partners in business, to fill the boats and, and they began to sink. <laughs> Peter, sensing his sinfulness, fell at the feet of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. Peter knew that he was before the Messiah. He saw his sinfulness in the midst of his creator that's the first thing that we see as Christians and as disciples of Jesus he causes us to be very clear about our sinfulness we don't play games anymore we are very aware of who we are Jesus said do not be afraid from now on you'll catch men (laughs) they had left all this was their call to leave all. And I can't help but the catch that Jesus gave Peter served a twofold purpose. One, to show him that he was a creator and it's best to serve him in what he calls them, But also a test. He had left all. And he had probably the greatest catch he ever had. Are you still going to follow me? <laughs> Now, the nature of his call was to be a disciple of Jesus. As you know, the word disciple means a learner or a pupil. What he was to be for life was a student of Jesus Christ, a learner. Now, the man Peter was a disciple that asked questions all the time. Good student. No other name comes up more often apart from the Lord's name in the Gospels than Peter. No disciple speaks more often than Peter. The Lord speaks more times to Peter than any other disciple. No other disciple is reproved more than Peter by our Lord. No other disciple dared to reprove our Lord except for Peter. No other disciple intruded, interfered, or tempted our Lord more than Peter. No other disciple was as hasty, impulsive, impertinent, inconsistent, energetic, and confident, but neither was there any other as quick to repent and to turn back to their master in childlike faith. No other disciple was more aware of his sinfulness than Peter, as we have seen. Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. No other one of the twelve had as strong a personality, nor was as willful and impulsive, which could have resulted in many life problems for Peter if he had not come a disciple of Jesus. In fact, it probably would have destroyed his life in many different ways. Now, the goal of his call was to be an apostle. He began as a disciple. But the goal was to be an apostle. The physician Luke tells us that after an entire night in prayer, Jesus chose 12 to be his disciples, to be his apostles by the direction of the Father in Luke six twelve through 16. Now, if Jesus prayed to the Father for decisions, that should say volumes to us on our decisions that we make in life. The word apostle is made up of two words, apple, which means away from, and "stello," means to send. The word is descriptive of their office, Peter as well as the others. It's their office. They're sent out. Now, the word became a technical term for an ambassador of a country or king communicating his office and delegated authority to act on behalf of the one who sent him, and is used like that in the New Testament. Second Corinthians 5:20 ambassadors of Christ. It is used in two ways in scripture, the messenger and ambassador of God and the messenger and ambassador of the church. So we represent God and we represent his church because we are his church. Now the word apostle is used in a variety of categories. We're talking about the original 12. That's the first. None like them. They are unique. The requirement was twofold, to be present with Jesus from his baptism and to be with him until Jesus was taken up to heaven. And you find that in Acts chapter 1, verse 21 through 22. Paul, he only meets one of them. He saw them after the resurrection, but he wasn't with him from his baptism. There was also the 17, others that Jesus sent out two by two in Luke 10, 1, But they're distinct from the twelve. There were apostles after Jesus ascended. Barnabas, Epaphroditus, Apollos, Silvanus, Andronicus, and Junia. All those are called apostles in the New Testament. But there are a third category of apostle. The 12, the 70, and those afterwards. A good leader administrates, prepares men, and they prepare others. Now, The context of Matthew is having told them to pray for the harvest. And after an entire night in prayer, he chose them and told them to go and to preach to the harvest in Matthew 10, 6 through 7. So see, this is the whole thing of leadership. As you are sitting under this teaching, as we look at these men, Jesus saying the harvest is great, but the labors are few. And he says, now, I've chosen you. Not go and preach. (laughs) You're the answer to the harvest. I, as an individual, am an answer to the harvest. I'm to go. I'm to preach. I'm to be a fisher of men. This is their commission. There was a four-fold process. Jesus converted them. Jesus called them. Jesus commissioned them. And then Jesus will commission them after the resurrection through the power of the resurrection. Billy Graham commented one day that he knew he was not God's first choice. But in fact, God had called a Canadian to the ministry he now has had for many years. But that that man did not respond to the call. I do believe that is very possible. That God calls and the man does not answer. Moody is that was speaking to a hundred million people about spiritual matters. Not a high school graduate himself, he founded a vast educational system that, among many accomplishments, has turned out one of 10 American Protestant missionaries. You see, the ability is not in you or in me. It's in the one who calls. It's all the Lord. God is so good to me. I am amazed every time I come to the pulpit. I am amazed week after week at the faithfulness of God. Just amazed. I know who I am. God knows the individuals he will call and use from all eternity. He told Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, Jeremiah won't find. Every person who was called to minister has to respond and make a decision to follow Jesus and abandon their life pursuits. And I'm talking in the context of ministry that he calls you out of. I had to make that decision. Difficult decision. Tough. You don't know if you're hearing God or not. Kind of like stepping out across the lake and you're waiting to hear the cracks or not. You know what I mean? You're just a little step at a time. But not all are to abandon everything. Sometimes there's tent ministry like Paul. Paul on the Damascus road was converted and called, and he said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Acts 9, 6. First words out of his mouth, what would you have me to do? Too sadly today, people say, Lord, what are you going to do for me? Was it not John F. Kennedy who said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country? Same thing. Not everyone who is called to ministry responds in obedience. Some do not respond. Paul tells Timothy... If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the Master's use, and prepared unto every good work. 2 Timothy 2.21. It's a choice, people. God will not bend your arm. With that choice, it's recognized a privilege. Everyone who is born again is called to do something in ministry and enabled by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, fitting into the body. For the edification and efficiency of the body and love. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Ephesians 4, verse 11 down to 16. None of us are without gifts. None of us have been called to warm pews. We're all called to something. I don't know what God's called you to do. You've got to go. But don't confuse your gift with the talent you have. All right? (laughs) Gifts are supernatural. You may have a talent... That God may use through your gifts, but don't confuse your natural talent or ability that you've learned or come natural with supernatural gifts. They're two distinct things. This was the call of Peter. Now, let's look at the ministry of Peter briefly. Peter was to be a shepherd of the flock according to Jesus. He was reinstated, we mentioned, in John 21, verse 1 through 23. A shepherd describes what his responsibility was to feed, care, and to protect the people of God. Now, in verses 1 through 14 of John 21, Peter had denied his Lord and returned to his old profession of fishing. They had been fishing all night and caught nothing. Then the Lord from the shore said, Have you caught anything, children? Cast your net on the other side. Now, those were familiar words. John said, hey, that's the Lord. Peter jumps in the water. He gets to the shore. He drags in that net that's full of fish. But this time, it doesn't break like it did in Luke 5, 6 through 7. There's a new capacity now after the resurrection. Nets don't break. (laughs) Same Lord brings the fish. They were fishing all night. Peter knew his Lord loved him. And I'd forgiven him. That's why he jumped in the water and swam to shore fast. He couldn't wait to get over there by rowing. He said, forget it. I'm out of here. <laughs> Peter was recommissioned by Jesus and returned to his first love from verse 15 through 23. Three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, Simon Peter? He calls him Simon Peter. <laughs> the Lord asked him the first time, do you love me, Agape. More than these, verse 15. The reference could be, do you love me more than these boats? Do you love me more than these fishes? Do you love me more than these disciples? I opt out for the last one because he had boasted. Even though they may deny you, I'll never deny you. He had denied them three times. Peter uses the word phileo, not agape. Jesus recommissions him. He says, feed my lambs, the young and tender ones. The word feed means to pasture, to tend, to graze. The Lord Jesus commissioned Simon for a second time, telling him, Tend my sheep, verse 16. And the word tend there again means to shepherd the sheep. A shepherd feeds, he leads, he protects the sheep. And then the Lord addressed Simon a third time in verse 17, and the Lord uses the word now phileo. This time He addresses Simon, accepting Peter on his level of ability and limitation. See, now Peter is not boasting a little bit more. You see, failure will teach you sometimes what success can never teach you. Now, be careful you don't take that and say, well, that's why, you know, I went out and sold my oats and I've learned from all. No, 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 no. The best thing that happens in life at times is that we get humbled. It's so easy to boast, so easy to say, ah, I'd never do that, ah, I'd never have that. Ah, ne-. Okay, be patient. <laughs> Carry a good salt shaker through life. Crow tastes a little better with salt. Simon answered Jesus the third time and grieved because no doubt he had correlated the three. Questions to the three denials. Jesus was not attempting to condemn Peter nor make him feel bad, but he was declaring to him that he was forgiven for the threefold denial confirming his recommission. The man Simon answered Jesus in two ways for the third time in verse 17. Peter addressed Jesus as Lord for the third time. Lord, you know all things. He had told him, you're going to deny me. Peter knows now. Peter declared that the Lord knew he loved Phileo him. You see, Peter had come to grip with himself as a sinner like any other without any delusion of self. That is the greatest thing that can happen to your life. The greatest thing. And so the Lord commissions the man Simon the third time by commanding him to feed his sheep. And the word feed again is like the one in verse 15, to pastor, to tend, and to grace. You see, Peter was one that was sent out as an apostle of God and became a prominent leader of the early church. He was a spokesman to proclaim the replacement of Judas in Acts 1-5. He was a spokesman in the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. He was at the temple and used to heal a layman in Acts 3 and 4, and to stand before the Sanhedrin. He was used to administer discipline to Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5. He was one with John to go to Samaria to verify the work of the Holy Spirit, laying of hands, and even to rebuke Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8 with blindness. He is sent to the house of Cornelius by Jesus in Acts 10. He is the witness of the work of God among the Gentiles when he gets to Jerusalem in Acts 11. He is allowed to be rescued from prison by an angel while James is permitted to be killed in Acts 12. He is the first to speak at the first church council regarding the Gentiles that they are saved just like the Jew by faith in Acts 15. He dominates the first half of the book of Acts until Paul comes along he calls himself an apostle of Jesus Christ 1 Peter 1, 1 and he occupies the first 12 chapters as that prominent figure without any doubt but the interesting thing about Peter is that he instructed others on how to be shepherds he was faithful he says when you're converted strengthen your brother the Lord told him as he wrote his first epistle, in 1 Peter chapter 5, his instruction was for those who were shepherds. He says, I, Peter, who am an elder among you, exhort you. In verse 2, Peter tells them to shepherd the flock. And the word again, shepherd, is the same as he used in, by the Lord in John 21, 16, to feed and to keep the sheep. Peter takes into consideration here with, in, in his epistle The various levels of sheep in the flock, like Jesus pointed out to him. The lambs, they're defenseless, they wander, they're in danger of the wolf. Then he says that they were to serve or oversee. The sheep do not belong to him as a shepherd. And they are valuable to God, yet he is responsible for all those under him. You do not belong to me, yet I'm going to have to give an account for every person that comes here and sits under my teaching. Notice the instruction at the end of verse 2 down to 3 are from personal example and conduct, not by constraint, but willingly, not forceful, but by willing submission of oversight, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. The motive of the service is not of money, like a hireling, John 10, not as being lords over those entrusted to him, Not being tyrants ruling with rigor and abusive manipulation. But being examples of the flock like his master, Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 4, the call certifies Peter's compensation here. Jesus, the chief shepherd, will appear again. His coming is unknown and sudden for his own. Jesus, the chief shepherd, will reward true faithful service at the rapture by the motive of love through various crowns. Notice the faithfulness of Peter was still death. Because if you recall in that recommission in John twenty-two, twenty-two, he told Peter, when you were young, you went wherever you wanted to, but when you're old, they're going to take you where you don't want to go, speaking of his death. So Peter knew he wasn't going to die till he was old. The martyr's death. In fact, tradition tells us that he was crucified upside down because he didn't think himself worthy to be crucified like his Lord. But after Jesus said, then, then Peter said, what about him, pointing to John? He says, what do you care about what's happened to him? What if he's alive until I come back? So Peter started a rumor that John wasn't going to die until the Lord came back. In 2 Peter 1.14, Peter says, listen, the Lord showed me. I'm going to put this tabernacle down. I've been faithful to you. What does he give him in 2 Peter? The gospel. Chapter 1, the heritage of the believer. Chapter 2, the heretic. Chapter 3, the hope, the second coming of Christ. Between your heritage and the hope of the coming of Christ, you've got a lot of heretics. Faithful to the end. Listen to Paul. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, and becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Philippians 2, 5-8. There's the epitome of the example. Peter learned it well. God very clearly condemns the idle shepherds who feed themselves and scatter the flock. Ezekiel 34 is a good text for you to read. And if you're teaching somebody, to an extent you hold that responsibility. The various notoriety and level that a shepherd or a person is used by God, that's his business. But it brings great accountability. To those much is given, much is required, Luke 12, 48. The true shepherd of the flock of God will be like his master. Listen. Jesus said, Moses, surely I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sends him, John thirteen sixteen. A disciple is not above his teacher but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher, Luke 6:40. This was the ministry of Peter. These three features have helped us to look at Peter's life. The man Peter, the call of Peter, and the ministry of Peter. May God direct our hearts and may we respond.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese using the life of the Apostle Peter as an example of one heeding God's call obeying his will to accomplishing his purposes now just before we close let me mention that copies of today's study titled Peter Part 1 are available on CD for just $4 and this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well so once again the title to ask for is simply Peter Part 1 or just mention today's date